Annyeong Haseyo. Welcome to Afternoon of Delight for Leah, Megan, and Amy, three American romance novelists discussing all things K-romance from a writer's lens. We fangirl over our favorite actors and actresses, talk up our trope addictions, and nerd out on K-drama deep dives. We'll throw in a few K-pop and K-skincare wrecks for good measure, because why not ride the Hallyu wave all the way to shore? So grab some tech bokey and listen to your new favorite unis. Hi, everybody. Hello. Hi. How is everyone? You know... It's a long day. I feel like we've all had long days. We've had long days. So I got taken to task because I've been watching some of my K-dramas so fast. And both Leah and Amy are like, don't you have a life? Which, first of all, no. And second of all, I hate housework, like a lot. And so watching K-dramas helps me to, like, avoid doing housework. And Leah said, well, why don't you hire cleaners? And I said, okay, well, we already tried that. And we got fired (laughs) by our cleaners. I think you should also preface this with you're getting ready to put your house in the market and you're moving. You're not just, but you're not, but, but right now you are, but you're not just like, you're not just like, Oh, I need a house cleaner. Yeah. Right. right, That's what I meant. Yeah. I mean, you made me sound a little bit bougie there, but. No, no, no. This was actually like three years ago. Though this was three years ago when I was like, we need to hire someone because I, I I suck at cleaning. Like, I'm just really bad at it. And it's a very funny story because we, our house is, I'm just really bad at cleaning, guys. Like, I really need to get that across, okay? And my mom's a really good cleaner. So maybe that was it. I just, like, grew up and, I mean, she made me clean, but clearly I didn't get the cleaning gene. I got the cooking gene, which, sorry, mom, you don't have the cooking gene. So anyway, we hired these cleaners and we knew they were coming. And I was like, I don't even want to face them because our house is so dirty i don't want to face them (laughs) and my husband is like i'm taking down the pictures in our house like i don't even want them to see my face (laughs) so we both so we both find a reason to leave the house that day okay so i forget my husband went somewhere and i left and went to write at a coffee shop I was like, okay, I'll give myself like they said it would take like three to four hours. I'll give myself three to four hours and I'll go back home because like it was one thing to let them in the house, but I did not want them. I did not. I couldn't meet their eyes when they left. (laughs) 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 Okay, so. (laughs) So, okay. Okay. So I give it like three to four hours. I mean, seriously, it's like four o'clock or four thirty at this point. They've been there since like eleven. Okay, I come home. And their car is still in the driveway. And I am like, no, no, this can't be happening. So, and I was like, I'm going to wait them out. I got to wait them out. So I drive around the block. No. And I, and I parked. And I parked. Wait, I guess what, and I parked. And I just sat in my car. And I'm like, please go away. Please go away. Please go. Please be done. And then I get this call from my husband. And he's like, where are you? And I was like, <laughs> I'm parked. I'm parked around the block, like the, the block below our house. And he's like, the, their car's still in the driveway. I'm parked in the block above our house. <laughs> <laughs> Neither of us wanted to face them. So on our own, <laughs> we parked in separate blocks so we wouldn't have to face the cleaners. And no lie, we waited them out. We waited them out. They finally left, like probably looking like haggard. And so they were supposed to show up like two weeks later and they never showed. And I called the company and they didn't return my phone calls. (laughs) And I even tried to go there. Like I knocked on the door and like no one came to the door. So I was like, I guess I got fired. That's how bad. They they packed up shop and like closed. (laughs) Like they changed their name, changed their number because they're like, this family is not finding us again. 
I seriously, I have quest. I mean, like <laughs> my house is not clean, and my mom would attest to that. But I have questions. <laughs> seriously, you should have questions. <laughs> like so, I'm just imagining like dead cats like laying I in like the hallway. I, I swear that I'm not like a contest or I'm not a hoarder. Yeah, a, a hoarder. I swear I'm not going to go on hoarders, but it clearly was so bad that they refused to work again and that's all there is to it and my husband and i finally were able to avoid them by parking opposite block so that's my cleaner story so now you guys know <laughs> why i hate cleaning so much and that's why i've been watching k drama so much because we have to get this house clean and ready to sell and i'm just avoiding it like i'm waiting until the last minute and it's not that I think that you don't have a life. I can't attest to your cleaning. But I think what I'm afraid of is the fact that you're watching K-dramas. Kind of, it reminds me of like the myth of Icarus flying too close to the sun. Like Amy backed me up here. She's like, okay, I'm starting this K-drama. And then like the next day, she's like, I'm <laughs> she's like, I'm, I'm, like I'm dying and it's over. And I'm like, wait, didn't you just like start? Literally, yeah. You started that like. 24 was, to 40 hours ago. I swear the me- I was say I swear the messages about her crying so hard from tempted was like yesterday. Yeah, then she's and like, then, oh my god, I robot or what I am a robot. Or what I is not a robot. I am not a robot. So I promise that I'm gonna start slowing down, especially because we're getting the house ready now. And I obviously have to work my job and write every day. So I promise I'll be okay, guys. Because I already had to slow down on I am not a robot. I just want you to pace yourself. We want to I keep do. you in the podcast and not be like, well, we used to have a friend, Megan, but she got buried in her messy house, <laughs> dying of K-drama. I mean, that's what it was when I remember when I read, I get that way with things like I like binge the Game of Thrones books and you know how big those are. Those are like 500 page books. I mean, I binged all of them and I swear to God, five days. Like it was that's just the way I am. I get like super involved and I just like, but I don't pace myself and then I do burn out. So I get, no, I do get it. I just think say no to daytime watching. <laughs> yeah, right? Like it's, I, I, I mean, I, yeah, I can maybe, and it's only because I'm working from home right now, I can squeeze in like one during lunch, but that's about it. Otherwise I'm trying to watch them at night. But yeah, once I'm going back into the building in a couple weeks, there's going to be zero daytime watching for me. So I'm going to be up yeah. late. We'll stop woman explaining to you about the need for moderation. And yeah, we can right. I know. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, I'm just wondering, like, if anybody else in your house has seen you in the past couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, well, that's, <laughs> I know, I know. Well, and I will say I watch a lot at night. Like, I've always been a night owl and my kids go to bed. And once they go to bed, I'm in my room. Like, I don't talk to my husband. It's low, which <laughs> next podcast, I have a whole nother story about. I about... don't talk to my husband. <laughs> just like, go away. Find something to do. Go cuddle with the cat because the cat is in love with him. So they can cuddle together while I watch my K-dramas. Anyway, why don't we get to the topic of today's podcast? So I hope you guys liked last week, which was when we talked about our beloved healer. And this week we are back with more healer. We love this drama so much that we just had to keep talking about it. So, okay, look, there's no such thing as a perfect drama. We can always find something to quibble over, but that doesn't mean that there isn't perfection. Healer combined action, romance, and some great comedy all in one tight little show. And we adored every second except for the ones where we were being confronted by the elder's hairy mole. So first of all, how'd you guys cope with your healer hangover? 
I've watched some clips on YouTube. Like I think I mentioned in our first recording that I found the elevator rescue on YouTube with the kiss that follows. And I've watched that a couple of times. Also, as soon as I was done, I was just throwing all sorts of healer memes up in my Instagram stories because I was so excited that the healer original soundtrack is on Instagram stories. So I was playing Eternal Love by what is it? What's the band called? Michael Learns to Rock. (laughs) (laughs) So great. And I just, yeah, I mean, so just enjoying myself with memes and stuff like that. And for me, you know, I'm going to say this show really didn't leave me with a big hangover. And You know, I gave this a five out of five. I totally loved it. But I think that at the end, I was just really happy with where the show ended. And I didn't feel emotionally spent. I just felt satisfied. So I felt like, no, I didn't deal with a hardcore hangover after this at all. So, I mean, I think I'm still suffering from healer hangover, but it's a different type of hangover than I had from, like, say, Goblin, where I felt more, like, I did feel almost like a little empty, like I needed, I had, like, a whole card in my chest, whereas healer, I was so happy that I wanted something to... I, it was like a drug where I wanted something else to make me that happy. I was like, where do I find the next healer? And that's what gave me the hangover, if that makes sense. Like, I wanted that feeling back. So I kind of, <laughs> I mean, I think I'm like getting over it. I did watch Ji Chang Wook in uh, Suspicious Partners. And that really kind of helped because I got to see him as someone other than healer. And I think that was a good thing for me. I could kind of like move on a little bit. But I, I honestly think about that show maybe once a day. I mean, truly. And I do sometimes watch clips on YouTube or whatever. I, I watched a few like interviews with Ji Chang Wook and he was actually on Knowing Bros recently, which is like a Korean kind of like reality show. And he did a bunch of like cute stuff. And I they didn't even have English subtitles and I didn't care. I watched it anyway. <laughs> I totally get what you mean though with the happy hangover. It's not, it was not an emotional hangover by any right. means. Like the reason why I wanted to immediately rewatch it when I was done is because I just wanted to like have that goofy grin on my face. Yeah, you know, I, w- I wanted to. I wanted to watch the whole team swagger through the airport. You know, in the final episode, like it just, yeah, it gave me such ridiculous joy, and that's why I want to see it again. Yeah, that is that's how I felt too. Okay, so out of curiosity, which show left you with the biggest hangover to date? The first drama that I ever watched was Crash Landing on You, Chloe, and I had such an emotional hole in my heart that I went and rewatched the whole drama again, and I was like, nothing is ever going to replace the way that this drama makes me feel in my heart. And then I watched Goblin. And those are still my top two, I would say. But Goblin is the one I've watched it twice all the way through. I watched all of the special stuff, you know, on Vicky, the two special episodes afterwards. I've watched countless stuff on YouTube and still do, especially the tragic Kim Shin and Untak scene in the <laughs> in the tea house. I don't know what my issue is, but I've watched that over and over again. It's just something about Gong Yu emoting like that. And the sound track to Goblin, like it's an immediate trigger for me. Somebody put something on Facebook in a Facebook group that we're in for Asian dramas and somebody put a clip on Facebook and it was like a Goblin thing with a specific song. And I just was like, I can't listen right now. Like I'm in the middle of my work day. Like, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's an emotional trigger for me, that show. And I don't think I'll ever be over it. And I will for sure watch it again. Yeah. So I'm not going to add much to that. For me, Goblin and Chloe definitely destroyed me. I think that just the 16th episode on both were just so highly emotional. So left me dehydrated like a little brazen. But I'm going to throw in just one other that I think if I'm going to say hangover in terms of something I can't stop thinking about or watching clips related to, which is what both of you seem to be like referring to with Healer. For me, that's Coffee Prince. 
So I don't think I've ever stopped thinking about that drama since I've seen it. And that's probably the only drama I consistently go back and watch scenes and clips from because I just love it so much. And yes, the ending did disappoint me for reasons that someday when we do a podcast on it, I'll get into. But beyond that, like, honestly, it didn't take away from the fact that like, sometimes I think it's still my favorite drama. Like, I just love it so much. It was wonderful. It was absolutely wonderful. And I'm with you there. And we've talked a lot about the last episode. And that will be a podcast topic because we have to get into that. But such a wonderful drama. And that is one that I will rewatch too. But yeah, it's Gong Yu. He is. He's the greatest. Yeah, for me, from an emotional standpoint, it was it was Chloe crash landing on you. I just remember like I wanted it all back, like or I wanted I wanted to watch it all again immediately. And but from like an like emotional way, like I wanted to like cry with them again. And I would say from like like a happy standpoint, it would be Healer. And then also, so maybe it's a Ji Chang Wook thing. I really can't stop thinking about Suspicious Partner. And I think part of it is I love the full cast so much, and I miss hanging out with them. Like I miss their like stupid conversations. I miss their like. I even miss their work meetings where they would just like bicker over stupid stuff. Like I miss that. You know what I mean? I miss that like camaraderie and probably also because like there's still a pandemic and I have still not gotten my vaccine because I'm literally last on the list. I don't think like a 38 year old romance author is anything that's close to being at the top of the vaccine list. So (laughs) anyway, I haven't like been among like groups of friends in so long or even like a large gathering of my family. So I'm like all these people and suspicious partner were like my friends. (laughs) So yeah, I kind (laughs) of. I, I know i know so yeah I we'll think we'll I'm... talk to you megan like we... i know i know that's why i look forward to wednesdays <laughs> thank you guys <laughs> just a reminder the show is going to have lots of spoilers last week we focused a lot on parkour and healer aka so jung hoo aka bong Su. Today, we're zeroing in on Shea Young Shin, Kim Moon Ho, and the antagonist. But first, don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss a single Afternoon of Delight episode. And if you'd like to do a good deed, leave us a review or star rating. We are a new podcast and listener feedback helps us with discoverability. Lastly, make sure you follow us on Instagram at Afternoon of Delight Podcast for all the show ratings that don't make it on the pod, book recs, behind the scenes fun, and generally shameless fangirling. And if you want to message us about anything you heard on the show, email us at Afternoon of Delight Podcast at gmail.com. So why don't we jump in talking about the heroine, Sheyoung Shin, aka Ojian. So thoughts on Park Min Young's performance. How did she balance out Healer but keep her own agency? I loved her performance. I think I've loved her in everything I've seen her in so far. I loved that I already knew her as a more glamorous heroine in both What's Wrong with Secretary Kim and her private life because it made it even more fun to see her play so against that type as this you know, sort of younger, fresh 20-something who is struggling, but also super scrappy. And her story was her own becoming, you know, a star reporter. And the entrance of Healer into her life did not detract from that at all. I thought they were great compliments to each other's journey. And I think it came up in the last pod in our first pod about Healer is that both of their goals changed a little bit because of each other, but for the better. Neither of them had to compromise their goals for each other. And so, yeah, I just think that they both complemented each other very well and were a fantastic couple who had their own personal journeys and were able to achieve those journeys and then achieve that romantic journey together. Yeah, I think she's just totally a delight. And I've seen a few times 
written that like Park Min Young has this title of the chemistry queen. And I mean, I believe it. I mean, heck, I even have a crush on her. You know, I loved seeing her in this back before her current era of these like perfect pencil skirts. I read that she cut her hair for the role, but you know, that was just a great choice. She's got beautiful long hair, but I think that the grungy kind of new adult hairdo she was rocking and it just kind of helped amplify her character as somebody who was figuring out who she was, what she wanted. And I also like that her relationship didn't detract in any way from her professional ambitions. If anything, I think that it supported it. So yeah, I really like Park Min Young. And I know that neither of you really like historicals, which I think is going to just be too bad for the pod. You're going to have to watch them sometimes. But um, she's in one called Sung Kyung Kwan Scandal. And that was her, I think that was like her debut. And yeah, she looked, I've seen some clips from it and she looks super fun and cute in that. And so yeah, I'm just all about her. I think she's so fun to watch. I never said that I didn't like historicals. I just like <laughs> historicals that have romances in them. Oh! <laughs> we'll get to that in another pod. <laughs> okay, okay. Next week. <laughs> okay, so I love Parkman Young. I adored her from the get-go, like from the very first scene she was in. I just was like, this is it. This is my kind of heroine. I'm a former journalist too, so I always am interested in how newspapers and journalism is portrayed. But one thing that was interesting to me is, so the external plot of this show was extremely involved. I mean, there was a lot going on. And sometimes when you have a plot like that, the characters sort of get taken for the ride rather than drive the car, which usually means they don't have their own agency. The, the plot is what's driving rather than them. But I truly felt like in this drama, the writers gave Young Shin plenty of agency and her own choices. So I did feel like she was driving the plot. There were things she actively did to either drive the plot forward or her own agency. And I do think it was also believable, the fact that she was like, very curious. I mean, her job was a journalist. And so it was believable to me when she would do brave things or, you know, like enter into that one guy's home who she clearly thought was dangerous, but she wanted to get the scoop. And like I said, she's a journalist. So she went. I mean, when I was a journalist, I had to drive out to the boondocks to this pig farm. And the owners of this pig farm were really angry at the newspaper. And for some reason, my editors were like, let's send Megan, she's like 23 and 411. Let's send her to this farm alone where these guys could literally kill me and like feed me to their pigs. Okay. <laughs> And it was scary as heck. It was these two like. Sorry to be laughing. No, it's okay. (laughs) But I'm like, I honestly think about that all the time. I'm like still traumatized that they sent me there all by myself with no backup. But anyway, and I remember I had to like talk to these farmers who detested me. They were so like, they almost threw me off for trespassing. So like, it's scary. But as a journalist, those are things that you have to do sometimes. So I mean, Youngshin had to deal with like a lot more scarier people than pig farmers. (laughs) You know, my point. So I I adored it. I, I thought she had so much to bring to the table. So how did you feel about Young Shin's reconciliation with her mother? This is a tough one. I had to marinate on this a little bit after finishing the drama because I didn't, I have very mixed feelings. What I do want to say is, I mean, kudos to her not raising herself from the age of like seven or nine on, like we've seen in other dramas. So she was adopted by a very wonderful father and, you know, had this great life. But yeah, at first I thought I was disappointed that it wasn't an overt reunion. But the more I thought about it, the more I appreciated that they both sort of knew, but didn't have to say it and didn't have to sort of test the theory of will her mom finding out that her daughter was out there all along, would that harm her health, you know, because that was the big worry all along that Moon Ho had. So I don't know, I guess I wanted an overt reconciliation, but I think I was okay with the fact that I knew that they knew, even if it wasn't said out loud. 
So I didn't like this at all. You know, Jeanne wasn't an infant when she was separated from her mom. She was an actual kid. And while I appreciate she wasn't doing her taxes and raising herself and had an awesome dad or, you know, adopted dad, you know, I just felt like this whole plot stream in the end felt like a bit of a cop out because, okay, so I guess like we're meant to appreciate that the mom's medical condition meant that she couldn't deal with big emotions and it could trigger some sort of like brain hemorrhage that could, you know, potentially kill her. So, okay. However, we're meant to be like, they just know and that's okay. Like, it just doesn't have to be set out. It's like, does the, like, doesn't the mom like reflect at sometimes? Like, well, there's my daughter. Okay. And then that doesn't trigger a story. Like it has to just be like, if somebody's like, yo, just like FYI, you're my mom. Love you. She's like, ah, I'm going to die. Like, <laughs> like, I don't know. I was just like, clearly like, you know. I was say in my heart, it happens later. It just wasn't the time yet. Like, that's how I felt about it. I don't feel like it never happens, but it didn't happen yet. That's, that I, was my take on it. I can, I mean, I hope so. Like, if they just, their whole <laughs> life, like, wink, wink. Like, I <laughs> right, no, I, I wouldn't buy, I, I couldn't buy that if they never, ever said it out loud. But for, well, I mean, for, the show is what the show is. And I don't, I mean, like, yes, I know, they, left I know. The door, they left the door open. I just felt like, okay, I fully acknowledge, and it's just an empirical fact that coffee allergy is real. <laughs> like, so, you know, like when we go back to like, you know, her private life and there was like a coffee allergy. And at first I was like, oh, that's surprising. But like, it's an actual real thing. People have a coffee allergy. Okay. I guess I'm trying to be like, what's the medical condition where like, you can never ever speak of the fact <laughs> that like you have a daughter that you lost, it's but you can, you can just know it happens. And somehow that doesn't trigger it. I just don't buy it. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I really don't, I don't disagree with you. I, I truly don't. And I, I, you know, I think I would really like to talk to the writers of the show because I really want to know why they made this choice. Because part of it was, I mean, a huge driving plot choice was that Moon Ho did not tell Nuna that her daughter was still alive because he thought it would kill her. Like, that was a huge, huge plot obstacle. Like, they made a very big deal about it. They showed her having seizures uh, like a good three times to mm -hmm. drive this point home. You know what I'm saying? And I am not a robot that I'm watching now kind of has a similar kind of plot device. And like, I get it. To me, it feels believable or okay or, you know, so I, I don't know. I feel like maybe if the, I don't know how else they could have handled it. Cause I don't think they would just be like, if they just came out and blurted it and Nuna was like, oh, okay, cool. And then she doesn't have a seizure. Then I just feel like the whole show was a little right. Like, yeah. Like, no, I mean, just, like, yeah, that's I, guess. Why I that's why I feel conflicted about it. I do. I truly do. And that's, I guess I kind of am on Amy's that maybe it was more that Nuna had more of a gradual thing. And also she kind <laughs> of figured, you know, I don't know. But like, she I was looking like at the pictures. She was looking at the photo album. I like know. that didn't trigger but her. But I feel like we have, I feel like I we've know. been conditioned having seen so many other batshit kid situations and other dramas that like this did not right this did not phase me that much it's not like in tail the nine tailed with <laughs> with blackie just like all of a sudden belonging to the fox now like no yeah right. i know i think this is a quibble but i'm sticking on it and i think the reason it bugs me and we don't really have another point to talk about nuna so i just want to like except for when we get to the antagonist bit so i just want to bring this up a little bit here is i think something hit me weird with her character where like both of the like both the brothers like Kim Moon Ho and Kim Moon Sick like both act in her like I don't know I just felt like in all her flashbacks she's like so awesome and has like all this I know we mm -hmm. use the word agency to the point that like it gets You're a little right. bit like cliche right. but then it becomes like okay so we'll get into like her whole 
batshit life that she had to leave with like Kim Woo Shik later. But going back to like Kim Moon Ho again, it just kind of felt like this like, here's Kim Moon Ho with all this information, like this missing daughter, huge tragedy in your life. And I'm holding on to all this information. And I'm going to decide when it's like a good time for everyone to know. And like, I don't know. I mean, like, look, I get it and how the plot was structured. And like, I see, you know, in writing it, like, I don't know, like, I guess you'd have to change the, the character. I just think it just felt a little icky, especially because she was like a fairly vulnerable person anyway. And like was a person living with numerous disabilities from her accidents and had all these conditions. So it just kind of look i still gave it a five out of five but that whole like issue just totally yeah yeah Yeah, totally fair yeah totally fair so moving on to some more things that we really like so healer felt a lot like a new adult romance you know given that we all got our start writing new adult romance how do you feel like young shin is an na heroine so the way that I would define an NA heroine is exactly what we got with Young Shin, which is somebody in their 20s still trying to figure out who they are apart from being, you know, who they are in their family. So she's still trying to figure out her identity apart from being her dad's adopted daughter or a girl who thinks that she was abandoned by her real parents and, you know, not just being defined by that. And she's also doing what she can to make a name for herself as a reporter and experiencing first love. So all of these sort of coming of age things in your 20s, right? Like when you're a teenager, you're first just finding that autonomy of who am I in general, just what is my identity? And now she's trying to figure out how, you know, who she is existing, like without that sort of, I guess I would call it the safety net of your family and your immediate family and stuff like that, even though her immediate family is a huge part of her identity because she's still trying to figure all of that out. But yeah, I think just this person who's scrappy and still trying to land that career and figure stuff out and experiencing love for the first time, everything about it. And the fact that she's running around in, you know, in Doc Martens and flannels and stuff like that. And that just, that totally won me over. Yeah, I feel like, you know, she's at this stage of life where, you know, she has this general sense of where she's going, but is a bit unsure how to get there. And that I mean, I work with a lot of students who are in this period of their life, you know, being in student affairs at a university. And so I felt like she was really authentic to those feelings. And I also just appreciated that, like, I think I've been watching a lot of dramas and don't get me wrong, I love this trope of like the poor, sad, little rich kids. So I think I liked in this drama that she, you know, was kind of doing a job that wasn't that glorious, wasn't crazy well paid. She's living at home and she's paying her dues. And so yeah, I I think I enjoyed that. It felt like a little bit of a change of pace from some of the things I've been watching lately. Yeah, I did love that too, you know, now that you mentioned the, about the job thing, because it's not like you start out like a Moon Ho journalist. She's uh, She wasn't even the type of journalist she wanted to be. She was like an mm-hmm. entertainment journalist at the beginning when she really wanted to be like investigative. But you got to start somewhere and you got to get a job where you get a job. Yeah, I mean, I love that they were both young adults. They were both figuring out who they wanted to be as people, what they wanted to do for a living and experiencing their first loves, which is very common in most new adult novels. So going back to like, Parkman Young as an actress, what's the kind of role you'd like to see her play in the future? I haven't seen everything that she's in, so I don't know if this is out there and I and I've missed it, but I feel like everything that I've seen her in so far, she's always been the more either poor or middle class. I want to see her as the heiress or the you know, the chable. I want to see her as the one who is, you know, rich and powerful and have her have a little romance with a guy who doesn't have any money. 
A guy who has to clean some super slobby romance writer's house for a living. No, I'm kidding. There you <laughs> I'm, I'm there for it. You know how sexy it is to watch a man vacuum? Come on. Oh, it is. So I think I'd like to see her as a villain just because she's always just so incredibly adorable sunshine rainbows. So that would be fun or just a really good anti-heroine. Yeah, I'd love to see her as an anti-hero and almost like a Ko Moon Young or something like that. Maybe, I don't know, doing a little backstabbing to get her man. I don't know. I would be down for that. I can't even picture it, which is why Me it was either. so hard. That's yeah. why it would be so cool. Yeah. That would be fun. I want to see her in a small town romance with a serial killer and she's the <laughs> serial killer. <laughs> and now it's time for our favorite segment, our K recommendation of the week. I am here again with a K skincare recommendation. And this one I'm just going to toss out because it's really affordable, fun, easy self-care. And that is the Dermal Korean Mask Packs. And you can get them on Amazon. And you can get, I don't even know, like 48 like masks for like 16 bucks or something. Like it's pretty affordable for what it is. And so it's fun because it means that you can like use them with abandon. Like I sometimes see mask packs that are like three and they're like $20. And I'm like, oh God, that's like plated in gold basically for my budget. And like, I would really have to like dole those out. So I like to do sheet masks. My husband, fun fact, hates sheet masks and thinks I look like a serial killer. So there's (laughs) nothing I like more than to put one on and approach him when he's not like expecting it, scare the crap out of him. And like kind of like stick my tongue out between like the sheet with like my eyes all open but it's all kind of like manky because like they make my eyes like uneven sizes in the mask so I always find joy doing that like almost on a daily basis <laughs> I'm like the whatever like the awful meme that pops up around the house to terrorize my husband they're quite affordable you can use them all the time and they work nicely nice little moisturizing pick-me-up so that's the dermal mask pack So our next topic is a character that I fell in love with seconds into this drama, I think, and that is Kim Moon-ho, just one of my favorite drama characters so far. So Kim Moon-ho made lots of interesting choices in the show. What is one that stuck with you? I think that in a lot of ways, the drama, like his arc in the drama to me felt a bit like his core conflict in many ways felt like him turning away from his family of origin, who was like his older brother to embrace his found family, which was Healer and Young Shin. And so to me, that was kind of like the journey that he was on in the drama. And I thought that that was just like an interesting thing to like go from like having like your older brother, Hyung, which is like obviously like of great importance to like idolize your older brother and to show him respect and to look up to him and to find out like, look, that's just like a not going to be the thing and to like turn away to like support these like young people that have been important to you earlier in your life and to kind of be authentic to you know what was essentially his found family when he was young as well along with his brother which was the group of five doing the pirate radio station you know moon interesting because the more i think about him he's almost like the opposite of new adult like where healer and young shin were like on their trajectory to like get what they want and their first loves i feel like moon was sort of on the other side like he kind of gotten what he wanted he had he was like the top of his career he was like poised to you know go even higher because of his brother and he was totally okay with just abandoning it saying I'm not trying to reach for the stars anymore. I'm going to kind of get back to my roots and do 
what I think is right to correct the wrongs of what I did as a kid and then also what my family did. You know, I mean, he spent a lot of money to buy the newspaper where Young Shin worked and set up like a whole new TV studio and everything. I mean, he he just really went for it without worrying about his future, whereas obviously Young Shin and Healer were worried about their future. Yeah, I like that he was basically the bridge to the past, you know, the bridge between the past and, and the future, or the past and the present, I would say, and what would be all of their futures. And it was, you know, when we do talk about this idea of agency and that it really was Moon Ho's agency that was the catalyst for the drama, and I don't know whether that's a good thing or, or not, but it was him finally deciding, okay, I know that Nuna's daughter is out there and I'm going to find her. You know, that was the first step in like kind of what we were saying, Leah, and him leaving his family of origin and going to his found family. He knew that it was the right thing to do, even though it would, you know, at that point, not knowing what a horrible person that his brother was, it would definitely cause a rift in his relationship with his brother, if not, you know, have them estranged for life. And the fact that he made that decision to seek out Healer to find Young Shin, you know, that was the catalyst for the whole story. And it was him taking that step to do that, that really brought about the story. And so I love that he was this catalyst. And like what you're saying, Megan, that he was at the top of his game and kind of gave all that up to right the wrongs of the past. So do you feel like Kim Moon Ho was the conscience of the show? Why or why not? You know, I think out of the three leads, he was the one who knew most of the truth, like throughout most of the drama. And I feel like, yes, in some ways, because he showed that, like, contrary to the antagonist in the show, he really decides to put all of his success and even his own brother, his relationship with his brother on the line to support the heroine and heroine because their quest is the quest for justice. So in some ways, yeah, a lot. Although I do also wonder if there's a little bit of like penance he's doing in the show, because I think he had to have known that his brother was kind of a POS. There was a scene at some point where he even like, throws on his older brother's face like that he had kind of helped lie or like corroborate his brother's story that was bs so i feel like there were times where because he was much younger he like was supporting his brother during doing things that felt just not right and so yeah i think there's also just a little bit of he has a moral code and he eventually like i think when we meet him in the story he's ready to like live by that yeah, well, like Amy said, I mean, he is the catalyst for the story. I mean, that's the very beginning of the show is you're finding out that, you know, he's looking for, for Young Shin or Ochina. He was the one. There are a lot of things that the healer and Young Shin couldn't have done without Moon Ho's either knowledge or his support. And so it did feel like there was, you know, like a triangle of leads in in this show. It wasn't just romance. I mean, Moon Ho was, was almost the point of the triangle and Young Shin and Healer were the, what are the other two corners? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Don't know trigon- or no, geometry. Like hypotenuse. And- <laughs> so, so yeah, I mean, I think so. I, I, and it's another reason I liked him so much. Yeah, I like what you were saying, Megan, earlier. I think it was you about him kind of going back to his roots, because in the very beginning of the show, he is this famous reporter who seems like he's at the peak of stardom and 
is even accused of basically liking being a star more than he does enjoy being a reporter. And I think we see him sort of realize this shift in what he had set out to do, I think, in the beginning of his career and what he was doing at that point. In the very beginning, when we have the workers who are on strike and can't get the press's attention until one of them literally sets himself on fire and winds up at the hospital. And then Kim Moon-ho goes to the hospital to interview him. And the man even says, I did this to get your attention. Nobody would listen to me. And now you're listening to me. And I think that was the spark in Moon Ho to be like, oh, yeah, I used to be the good guy, you know, sort of in search of justice here. And right now I'm just the famous guy. And I want to get back to being like what you're saying, Leah, to live by his moral code again. And so I like that we see that sort of shift in him in the beginning for him to be able to spark this change in everybody's lives in the drama. So yeah, at first, I think that he wasn't the conscious of the show. And I think he was meant to start out that way. And then to sort of regain that conscience so that he could do right by the people that he had wronged in the past. So how do you feel about Kim Moon Ho's romance subplot? I feel like for as much as I love this drama, I'm sounding negative today. I don't mean to, but I didn't like this. And so I felt like everything we just talked about of him, you know, having this kind of more noble arc and understanding the role and responsibility of the media for exposing the truth and doing good work, even when it's hard. I felt like his relationship with his ex-girlfriend that I felt like personally ended with like a sense that they were like rekindling what they had just didn't hit with me like I wanted like a complete severing like I felt like her character was really self-serving for like professional advancement and made lots of cowardly choices like to hide truth multiple times in deference to like the wishes of like the media conglomerate that she worked for so you know, they left it kind of open. You didn't have like a big kiss at the end or anything like that between them. But I kind of felt like there was, you know, the younger couple was a new adult, like falling in love, like gaga goo goo thing. <laughs> Whereas like theirs felt like much more understated and it wasn't a core focus of the story. But I just really just didn't enjoy that. Like that was the like female he was paired up with and that they ended either in a beginning a relationship again, or at least as like good buddies again. Cause I just really, she did nothing for me. Yeah. So I would actually go out on a limb and say that I didn't think he had a romance arc at all. I don't know. I guess I did interpret his, his last scene differently with the producer, which is okay. I viewed them as just being friends. Like they would maybe rekindle a friendship. There was literally zero chemistry between them. And I didn't even think she seemed like she really wanted to get back together with them. I mean, truly. I and I personally thought his romance arc was more about him resolving the, the guilt of his youth and freeing up his heart. Because that was a whole thing. Because he does tell her at the beginning, like, I think they have a flashback to when they broke up or something like that but he tells her that there's a place in his heart that's always reserved for a, another woman and she thinks it's like an ex-girlfriend but it's really like baby young shin which maybe sounds weird but it makes sense and so <laughs> and i really felt like he had to love himself because i do think that was a huge I, I mean i almost think his romance arc was with himself he had to like free himself from like the chains of his past to love himself i feel like he couldn't move on or fully get his own personal HEA. I didn't even think he really needed a romance. I think he was perfectly happy in his penthouse. And now he's got Young Shin and Healer to like go out and have drinks with him. Well, I hope that that's his reality and I hope that he can stop being friends with that producer because ew. When I first looked at this question, I was like, 
Wait, he had a romance? <laughs> I thought I was his HEA. That was that was my goal. I'm right there with you. I felt zero chemistry between them. I was not longing for them to get back together. If she was never in the show again after he quit his big news job, I would have been fine with that. I don't think it was necessary, like what you're saying, Megan, for his arc. I don't think it was necessary for his arc for them to have any sort of reconciliation at the end. I think that his arc was doing what he did for his old found family that's now his new found family, which is Young Shin and Jung Hu. So no, it did nothing for me. Moon Ho deserved better. He deserves me and I deserve him. And let's just leave it at that. There needs to be a new drama that is AJ and Moon Ho. And it's just you all like doing like claw montages. <laughs> during uh, during an epidemic where Moogie's trying to kill everybody. But no, for real, let's just talk for just one quick second. Like healer is totally hot. But I mean, Kim Moon Ho brought a little something manly special to this oh, that really sure. just, he was, yeah. And also like, yeah, Healer's also supposed to be like early 20s in this. And obviously all the three of us are like, you know, not. And so, not. Oh. <laughs> we don't, we don't need no, to list no, but- <laughs> ages. We can just say that we're not in our early 20s. I just really appreciate, okay, so just this is me a little bit of a like deviation, but like I feel like lately, like on Instagram, I see all these like things where it's like thirst posts for actors and then their ages. And it's like hot, hot, like, you know, 24 is usually yes, like, kind of yes. what it stops. And then we get to like Gong Yu and it's 41 <laughs> and then there's like the abyss. I'm like, so are you, is there just like nothing that happens after like Gong Yu at 41? Like, you know. There's nobody else. He is the oldest. He is the oldest K drama actor. Like, are we like you hit Gong Yu age and then, and then you're elder, elder. and then you're elder after that? <laughs> then he, you grow your mole. Yeah. You grow your mole <laughs> and you go behind the bar and you <laughs> you've lost your fuck ability apparently. And I really wag my finger to that because there's lots of actors who are a little bit older who like honestly they just keep getting finer and so I really just have these questions about like the gong you to nothing to, 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 to like yeah. I mean, he could still get it with his earring like full on well no, no he I needs don't. to lose the earring and he's in his 80s so yeah. let's not go there yeah, no, I'm, not. <laughs> I'm drawing the line I'm drawing the line Courtney, I'm yeah. sorry I hate you guys <laughs> I'm going to make a <laughs> infographic like let's just talk about who's hot that like is post Gong Yu age because look Gong Yu is like he's my opa actually <laughs> like just barely and beyond that I'm like look I still think some of these guys have like lots going for them like up until dare I say like early 50s so come on absolutely we were watching airs I was texting Leah and I was like okay even the dads are hot in this like let's you know like oh secretary and <laughs> secretary yeah wait. yeah I mean he, he could get it he could get it big time yes so no, when you were talking about the infographic, I thought you were going to say make an infographic of all of the American actors that Megan and I are not allowed to mention in the podcast. No, that's like another, that's another mannequin. Mannequin, seriously. No. I haven't heard Andrew of it. McCarthy, oh, Andrew McCarthy and Kim Cattrall, mannequin. I actually haven't heard of it. And I'm not saying that like, look, I've lived in this world. I know things, but like, I just don't know apparently what you know. <laughs> feel like you felt you had to say that to us oh my god i'm dying okay anyway <laughs> okay <laughs> moving so, on so 
All right, so now we're going to talk about the numerous villains in Healer. So first of all, what are your thoughts on using a yo-yo as a weapon? What would be another random but totally badass weapon? I mean, when I first saw it, I was like, this is hilarious, but it's also so on point for the tone of the show. Like, other than the end, I never truly worried about violence in this drama because there were no guns. There was some minor gunplay in the very last episode, but other than that, it was fun. I mean, okay, people die, yes, they get poisoned, hit on the back of the head with a pipe. Like, there is a little bit of violence and stuff in here. But the fact that the main, not the main, but like one of the frequent bad guys who shows up to like fight healer in alleys and stuff like that, that his call sign is a yo-yo and he actually makes healer bleed with a yo-yo. It was hilarious, but it totally fit just the tone of the show. So I guess, yeah, let's throw some more toys in there. How about a boomerang? One of his goons has to have a boomerang too. In selling the show to me where it was full of Van Damme and ridiculousness. I believe Amy came through and said something about a villain with yo-yo, which got my attention because that was rad. And so honestly, my whole take on this was this was an underused situation and we, Keeler needed 100% more yo-yo. They had some, but it needed a lot more. We do some yo-yoing in this house. Like not me, my son took up a bit of yo-yo post-holidays in pandemic. And I had honestly just never considered its weapon implications. And they were mighty. So for me, a random weapon, I think I would really like to see like an antagonist who always has a toothpick wedged in the corner of their (laughs) mouth, but he can like spit it out with frightening accuracy like a blow dart. So that is one thing that fascinates me about (laughs) Korean dramas. And actually one thing that I really like is there's no guns or guns are very rare. I mean, there are some, obviously, dramas that have a lot of guns, but I would say the majority of them do not, which is completely different from American dramas because there's guns everywhere. Since South Korea has such strict gun laws, I actually thought guns were illegal, like kind of completely, but I did look up and they're not illegal, but there's, again, a lot of strict laws. Like you have to store your gun at the police station or something, but either way, it's just, they're just obviously not readily available. So we get a lot of cool fist fight scenes, which is always fun. Cool weapons like a yo-yo. And I personally love it because I just love weird quirks like that. And I would think a well-placed yo-yo strike would really hurt. And it kind of reminded me of John Wick, how I adore John Wick. One of his biggest rumors or whatever about him is that I can kill a whole room full of people with a pencil and he in in all the John Wick movies he uses really interesting weapons because he's being hunted because he's like a you know exacting revenge for his dead dog for three movies and a fourth coming and anyway so he's always in like really interesting situations and uses crazy weapons oh and I think there's an episode of 24 my husband I didn't like it but my husband was obsessed with 24 when it was on but I'm pretty sure he totally takes someone out with like a phone it's like my husband made me watch the scene over and over again so like i mean an old rotary phone that like you know people don't have anymore I yeah mean, you could strangle someone with i just remember a you could phone. i'll have to ask my husband for details but anyway john wick's the best if you're looking for weird weapons so who yeah. is the bigger villain kim moon sick or elder and why this was really kind of tough because Elder is like the big bad guy and Moonsick totally betrays his family, right? But I kept going back to how that all happened and I kept going back to Moonsick being dragged into Elder's, I don't know if you call it his office or whatever, being dragged before Elder, bloody and beaten and basically at his lowest because that's when Elder manipulates you to basically be under his thumb is when you're at your lowest. And he was bloody and beaten and Elder was basically like, I can make this all go away and I can give you everything that you want. And he was a kid at that point, you know, and I'm not saying that I forgive him or that I sympathize with him, but I guess at that point, I sympathized with the young Moonsick feeling like that 
that was his only option for happiness and or success. And he thought he needed to be successful business-wise to be happy and win the girl. And he just, he had this sort of deluded, you know, definition of what happiness was and how to achieve it. So in that respect, I chose Elder as the bigger villain because he knows exactly how to manipulate you into feeling like you have no way out and into doing his bidding. But I do want to throw a shout out to Elder slash Moonstruck's little henchman dude. I don't remember what his name was, but man, that guy was creepy. With the elevator, he tried to do the elevator. Yes, he tried to kill Young Shin. So like, I mean, let's throw, let's give him an honorable mention as far as villain. But yeah, Yeah. I, I was torn. So I chose Elder and it's only because... I had that tiny bit of sympathy for the young, broken, and and beaten Moonsick who was like, yeah, I guess this is all I have now. So thank you for doing the shout out to the little henchman because the other (laughs) thing he did that was like his little habit was when he would do his little evil henchman giggle and then like daintily cover his mouth. Oh, I have almost as many nightmares about that little giggle as I do about them all. So (laughs) yeah, no, truly. Thank you for bringing that up. That was an oversight (laughs) that we didn't get there sooner. But for me, I think Moonsick all the way in terms of a bigger villain. I don't really consider him a kid. I consider him, you know, I think he was like early 20s. And no, I don't give him like it wasn't like he was like seven and paying his taxes. And like (laughs) in front of Elder. So many seven year olds who pay their taxes. He was running a junkyard. (laughs) paying his taxes like he had you know he was a man and I felt like you know he betrayed his friends and he didn't just betray them once right like it wasn't like he was brought in and kind of did like you know if I'm gonna get like biblical here you know was it Peter who like denied Jesus three times or whatever you know like where there was a thing where like you're in some shit and you're like okay I'm gonna be self-protective I feel like he betrayed them once he made the choice to betray them he betrayed them all the way and got rewarded with the woman that he loved and he loved like the whole time even though she'd been married to one of his best friends and I think really just like the fact she survived that accident and that you know she was a person who was disabled and he just took advantage of that situation to just dominate all facets of her life and kind of covered up with being like whatever like you know their image was of being like the lovey-dovey couple they would come back to over and over so oh gosh like his little face just in the end, like really, I just hated him. And loyalty is just a really big deal to me. And so the fact that he was just such a weasel, I was glad at the end to see him pathetic and broken and chatting away to himself. I don't feel like he gained anything that was ever honestly earned. So I was happy that he lost it all. Oh, 100%. I I totally am happy that he ended up the way that he did. Like in no way do I think that he should have gotten any sort of reprieve as far as a punishment so i'm glad that it ended up that way this was really hard because yeah i felt conflicted about this because i felt like with elder i mean there was a lot of talk about how he wanted to like privatize things and he did think it was better for korea but i don't actually think he believed that like i think he just wanted power he wanted money and he knew what he was doing was going to hurt people he knew it and he didn't care but when it came to moon sick i almost felt throughout the drama that he truly believed he was the hero of his own story like I really think he had started to believe his Mm -hmm. delusions that he was doing the right thing I think he had talked himself into it that he wasn't just covering up the transgressions of his past he actually thought I'm doing the right thing for my wife for my brother I'm going to make my brother successful Uh, uh, you know I'm doing this for myself and I think it wasn't till the end when he realized oh my god I'm the villain like I I truly believe that that's how his character was written yeah 
Yeah, and maybe that's yeah, why I agree with that. I have a hard time with this question because I feel like they were both villains in their own way. You know, what's what makes a villain? Is it that you know you're being a villain and you're still doing it, or that you really truly think you're a hero? But he, but he knew he was doing bad things. Like Moonsick clearly knew he was doing the wrong things, but he still thought he was doing it for the right reasons. In a way, I don't know. Well, I think yeah. he had to ju- he had to tell himself a story, like you said. Like all villain, yeah. all good villains yeah. think that they're the hero of their own story. And I think Elder actually thought he was the hero of his yeah. own story. Yeah, I also he think he knew PS, he was hurting people, but and he didn't care. Yeah, no, I agree. Right. He was much more of like a sociopath yes. type character. Whereas I felt like Moonsick, I think it was just like that betrayal of his friend's legacy that just really you know and they kept honing in on like that photo of the five of them and blah 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 and just the fact that like that meant so much to all of them and yeah I mean like I guess it goes back to like that zombie question like if I was if the three of us were caught in some sort of like manufactured horrible situation and like both of you (laughs) died and then like Elder with his mole came to me and was like okay Leah I can give you Gong (laughs) Yu and everything you've ever wanted (laughs) she'd sell us out like (laughs) like, heartbeat yeah no they totally did all that bad stuff no i mean like i would like to think that you know i'd be like i'm not gonna go there and do that but i mean that's what makes it interesting i think that's what makes him a very interesting villain is because like yes i see there's like a sympathetic it's not just pure evil like elder but at the end of the day i mean i really was disgusted by his choices but i really like a i mean in a good way like i think that he was a very very well written character as a villain was one of the reasons i thought the drama was so good i thought i'm i'm always gonna go for a well-written villain like i finished lawless lawyer and there was a villain in there oanju they yell his name all the time so i just had to do it and he was the best villain i mean i love the hero but him as a villain was probably one of the main reasons i gave i I gave that show four out of five and he was just such a cool complicated character i just i and i think it's very hard to write complicated villains i i've always thought that was hard and i think a lot of my villains are are Mm one-dimensional that i write because i do think that's difficult so that when they're done right, which was how Moonsick was written, I'm I'm really into it. Speaking of villains, yeah, speaking I've of been villains, waiting for this question was up for with two the weeks. elders mole. Who wants to describe it? Okay, I'll describe it. So <laughs> it was a massive mole on the side of his neck that had multiple hairs growing out of it. And by multiple I mean like I could braid them. It was a lot. The camera zoomed in on it all the time. Like, I want to talk about that because I really feel like that was a choice the director made. Because I feel like they shot him from his, that would have been his right side all the time. All the time they shot him from his right side. Why couldn't you shoot him from the left side? Why couldn't you have, you know, when the the, the way the bar was set up, they shot him from the right side. Why? Why did you do that to us? Everything was from the right, right? This is scarier than the zombies in Train to Busan. Like, I physically could not look at the screen when we were that close to the mole. I had to avert my eyes. And I texted Megan because I was like, is it just me? Am I super mole sensitive? Like, I, you know, it's like I texted Megan and I was like... What is with the mole? And you're like, like, thank you. Discussion boards about this mole. And you're right. Like, I want to ask the director. Like, there was no reason to give the mole that much screen time. Like, the mole should get its own credit because of the amount of screen time that it had. Well, okay. So I think trying to describe it, it's like a Rorschach test, like on his neck. Like, it can be whatever nightmare you want to project into it. So, I mean, on one hand, I appreciate the fact that Elder is like, look, I'm old, I'm evil as shit, and you will feast your eyes on my hairy ass mole. But like, on the second hand, Elder doesn't need to live like this. 
Like you can pluck it. <laughs> we're not talking like there. we're no. not talking like short little hairs. Like no, no, these are yeah, no. I mean, I have a mole on my cheek that gets like a short like, little hair. Like that mole um, had more hair no, than this my, was than my like... newborn baby's head. Like honestly. <laughs> It was a plethora of hairs, and they colors. weren't just it was hairs. Like, calico. like they came down his shoulder like a Nicolas Cage mullet. <laughs> what if speaking of newborn babies' heads? What if it was just like his <laughs> undeveloped twin, <laughs> his shadow <laughs> self? I mean, I would have appreciated that actually. And like every once in a while, just opens his eyes and does a little giggle. <laughs> like, Maybe that's oh his Imugi, right? Like that was the boss of Elder, the mole. <laughs> it was the sentient mole. All I know is that being around that mole during the show was like reading Heart of Darkness. And all I can say is the horror, the horror. <laughs> all right. So closing thoughts on Healer. And will this be a rewatch? So to me, it was a delightful show that surprised me with its sweetness when I was going in with incredibly low expectations due to Megan. It was a five out of five for me, but I'm actually not looking to rewatch it anytime soon. I've got lots of other things I'm stoked about. And I also just worry that like, you know, because some of this show like literally made me dizzy and swoon so hard. You know, I'm just 100% not sure if it was like a first time viewing or if like it would hold up to repeats. And I'm just not quite ready to test it out yet. I just want to keep the special feelings that I have from watching it, but I'm not going to rule it out down the road. <laughs> it's a beautiful feeling. What we've got deep inside. Is that what you mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, as much as I need to hear Michael learns to rock over and over again, delight is like the, it's the best word to describe it, right? Like I absolutely loved it. Such a joy to watch. And I think that I will watch you know, like I do watch certain clips of it. I think I'll watch certain episodes over. I don't know if I will watch the whole drama start to finish again, just because I have so many other dramas on my list that I want to watch. But it was a five out of five for me. And I know that it would be a delight to watch again. It's just not on, you know, my list of things to do at yeah, the moment. I would but say yes, it will be a rewatch. I do someday. think I will rewatch it at some point, but I have a lot of other dramas also on my list. But I will say I, I love watching clips. Like if I'm on YouTube and because K-drama clips come up on Recommended because my YouTube knows me. My YouTube and I have like an intimate relationship. But anyway, <laughs> it like knows me and it brings up healer clips. In fact, the, the elevator scene just came up. Am I recommended? So I will watch clips and I, and I love it. And I can, like Amy said before, I'll go for memes and gifts any day. So I'll rewatch it sometime. I mean, I still, I still haven't been able to rewatch Chloe either. Sometimes I just like, am not ready to have those emotions again, if that makes sense. And Healer gave me so many happy emotions. So one day, one day. I rewatched Chloe too, but not 16, just like Goblin. I couldn't do 16 again. I watched it all. And, and again, that was my first drama, but that was one where when I finished it, I was like, I can't watch anything else. Like nothing yeah. else is going to make me feel like this. I just have to go through this again. And so I did. But I also wonder if now that like we just know the bounty ahead of us that like, you know, with Chloe being our gateway drama, I'm just wondering if we were like, how can that magic ever come back again? We have to rewatch it immediately. Whereas like now I'm like, yeah, I'm kind of very much. Yeah, like, I agree. Also because I'm finding shot. like there right, are so many right. quality K dramas and even some that I people aren't talking about and I start watching them and I'm like, um, you know, so I am finding that I can get that feeling again. I almost like panic mm -hmm. after Chloe. I'm like, nothing will make me feel this way. But I've really been actively finding just such quality K dramas and they're coming out with them so fast. 
I can't wait because they're only getting better. Okay, so let's do a quick, because we think that Healer was kind of like a quintessential new adult romance, what would be one of your favorite new adult romance novels? So mine is Fangirl by Rainbow Rowell, and it is one of my favorite books ever. Not just one of my favorite new adult books, but definitely one of my favorite books in general. I have maybe more than one copy of it signed by the author because... I get a little bit giddy about Rainbow Rowell books. But anyway, it is about our main character is Kath and Kath is a twin. She has a sister named Ren. And while they were teens, they both loved writing fan fiction for this fantasy series called Simon Snow, which is basically like Harry Potter. And they were big fanfic writers and they loved living in this Simon Snow fanfic world. And then fast forward to them both going off to college and Kath is still in that zone of, I do everything with my sister, we write fanfic, and Ren decides, no, we need to be our own people. I'm not going to room with you at college. I'm not writing fan fiction anymore. And it is basically, it is sort of the epitome of new adults, like going off on your own for the first time and having zero safety net. She at least thought that at college her sister was going to be her safety net, but she didn't even have her sister. And now she wants to be a writer and she takes you know, a writing program and she wants to be a writer, but she doesn't have the courage to write her own stuff. And so she's still, not that there's anything at all wrong with fan fiction. Fan fiction is fantastic. But in this story, it's this idea of being able to break out of her comfort zone and do something on her own. And in the midst of all that, she meets one of my absolutely favorite, romance heroes which is levi the farm boy farm boy levi who is just charming as all get out and they develop a friendship it's a very slow burn romance but it is getting to know levi and getting to know her new roommate and sort of you know branching out on her own that helps her find her identity as a writer outside of fan fiction as well. And it is just, yeah, I, I can't say enough about it. Fangirl by Rainbow Rowell, fantastic new adult coming of age story with a lovely, lovely romance. And I've read this book more than once too. For me, I'm going to go with The Bronze Horseman, which left me with a humongous book hangover. So just real quick, it's set in Leningrad right at the beginning of World War II is when it starts. And it's about a young heroine, Tatiana. And when it starts, she's 17, but it actually it's a three book series that follows her like well into middle age. But like during the course of this book, it kind of moves her into that new adult period. And she meets and has a relationship with a handsome and mysterious Red Army officer, Alexander Belov, who has many secrets and actually is dating her older sister, which she doesn't realize when she meets him. And I loved Fangirl and Levi to me is like an amazing beta hero. But Alexander is like, probably honestly, like problematic alpha hole. (laughs) But like, I don't even care. I just I loved him in book one so much. It would make a great K-drama type thing too. But it's just like he's all in on the heroine. It's super messy because like you know he's been getting it with her older sister and then when he sees her he's like all in and doesn't realize that like she's the little sister and then he has to like keep them alive during the siege of Leningrad which is like a time people were literally like starving and there's like they had to like eat the paste on the back of their wallpaper and he's got like that like protective like because she's always like self-sacrificing she's a little bit of a water bottle heroine too and he's always just like you know look after yourself you need to eat and like keeps her alive through this like whole situation and I don't know I was just into it it was just like feels after feels after feels and so much melodrama. So I'm going to recommend The Edge of Never by J.A. Redmersky. I read this so long ago, but I really loved it. So I love road trip romances. So anything that involves a road trip is like up my alley. And of course, this is a story 
about a girl who literally just has like her phone, a wallet and a bag. And she gets on a Greyhound bus and she takes off across the country to find herself, which is and she's 20 years old, very, you know, new adult. And on the bus, she meets this kind of mysterious guy named Andrew Parrish. And he is a really cool hero. He's kind of super damaged and has tons of emotional wounds, which is just amazing, like healer. And really, it was a beautiful romance. And yeah, so that's called The Edge of Never by J.A. Rudmersky. So what are we watching now, everyone? I was double fisting it and I'm glad I'm not anymore because it's too it's too much it's too much for me that that sounds too like too much I know I was doubling up with run on and uncontrollably fond and the problem with uncontrollably fond is that it's on dvds and the only place I can watch it right now is on our playstation in my living room and I like to watch in bed and I had from when my kids were little they're not little anymore we had this tiny little dvd player that we used to bring in the car and I went and found it in the basement and popped the DVD in there so I could watch in bed on my, you know, on my lap and it doesn't work. So I mm. might have just ordered a tiny little DVD player from Amazon because, you know, I can't watch in the living room because it's, I'm usually with the kids and then they want to watch. So anyway, I had to put that on hold. My DVD player comes tomorrow. So I finished up Run On and Run On is a sweet, quiet romance, I would say. And we're going to talk about that one. So I don't want to say too much about it, but I have just big, big second male and female lead syndrome from this drama. And we'll talk about that. So I am watching I Am Not a Robot, which was like a total whim thing. I I didn't even I just finished Tempted and I didn't Tempted was just like so much angst. Looking back, I'm like, it was too much. It was too much angst. I decided to start I'm Not a Robot and I was like hooked right away. Like the first few episodes are very funny. I mean, I was dying of laughter and then it took like a sharp right turn into like incredibly meaningful to the point where I am like sobbing my heart out, but it's so good. I'm really obsessed with it. And so I'm near the end. And if it holds up and goes kind of how I think it will go, we're definitely going to do a deep dive on it because I feel like there's just a lot to talk about in terms of how the romance was written. And that's what our podcast is all about. We're romance writers. So it's really interesting to me on how other writers plot romances. And this romance is extremely fascinating on many levels, mainly because the heroine, the hero thinks the heroine is a robot, but she's not. She's pretending to be a robot. So it sounds hokey, but it really works. And speaking of something that sounds hokey, but really works, the drama I'm watching right now, I just love it. It's When the Camellia Blooms, and it's, I think I talked about it in our snack the other day, because I'm not like Megan, and I don't watch a show. I mean, I think I watch shows a lot faster than the average human, but I'm not watching them in two days. (laughs) So I'm about halfway through, and it's small town rom-com delight with a serial killer subplot. And having written Small Town... This is exquisitely done small town, but the, the serial killer plot just re- subplot makes it. And I, I feel like I need to just like go back and start doing small town romance again, but with serial killers mixed in. But anyway, the hero is such a beta and like, I don't know, you all know me. Like I, I prefer like the alpha hero always. Like I just really love alpha heroes and you know, a good beta always makes me happy, but like never like a good alpha. And I don't know, this is like making me 
rethink everything. Like this is moving into like top, top, top tier uh, hero territory. I just, I'm like, I want, this is like marriage material hero right here. Like I want him, like, I don't know. He's the guy that would vacuum and look hot vacuuming and be stoked to vacuum for you. Maybe I've hit the stage in life where like, that's just like doing it for me. Like, you know, I'm at that like gong you <laughs> abyss of like whatever. And now I'm like looking back and, you know, this hero is just really like, check in all my boxes i think that was like an earlier podcast megan where you're like i don't want a guy who's gonna like beat up someone that touches my butt at the bar i want like somebody who's gonna like be a provider or something and that's how i feel with this guy i could be wooed by somebody walking into my house and vacuuming it like that's really all it takes yeah someone does dishes in my house and they can they can have whatever they want on me and no one does do dishes so there we go except me (laughs) so i guess i can have myself i'm actually not allowed to load the dishwasher I mean, maybe I've made a career out of my marriage by, like, pretending I don't know how to do things. I was just going to say, like, do you really not know how to load a dishwasher? No, I do know how to – I actually should rephrase that. I know how to load the dishwasher. My husband does not like how I load the dishwasher, which I think that's a him problem, not a me problem. But when I load the dishwasher, he gets all, like, flustered about it and then redoes it. And then I have to, like, hear his mouth about it, and I don't want to hear it. So he ends up either loading it himself or fixing how I load it. It is a him problem, but I also just feel like I'm jealous because we literally don't have a – like, someday I'm going to know I made it when we have a dishwasher. We don't have a dishwasher, and we're not allowed to have a garbage disposal because my husband thinks it's American witchcraft. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. (laughs) Truly. Like, he – I was like, look – 99 problems of dishwashing if we could just have a garbage disposal and he literally said no and i'm not even like being hyperbolic he was like that is american witchcraft and like (laughs) you can scrape a plate and like go compost and give it to the chickens and i was like oh my god that's amazing (laughs) go compost and give it to the chickens is only something that you will hear out of leah's mouth (laughs) on this podcast and 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 leah's husband that is i can like imagine that's what he says well (laughs) I will say too, my husband never had a dishwasher until we moved into this house. So to him, a dishwasher is a little sacred, I think. Yeah, I, I think. back Neil up on this. Okay, so I think that's part of like his issue. He feels like... No, there's a, right like, in, there's a right and a wrong way. I fix yeah. the way my kids put stuff in the dishwasher. There's a right and a wrong. He hates it, but also he like changes things. Like he's like, no, I put bowls here now. And I was like, okay, well, that wasn't a discussion. Like we didn't have a discussion that that's where you put bowls now. So I'll freaking put bowls there now. Jesus Christ. So that's so that's the whole thing. And I've broken three washing machines. So I'm also not really allowed. <laughs> Maybe you should just watch K-drama. I don't know. I think that's really, I mean, like start, keep your hoarding going because we know you're a hoarder. Like, yeah. <laughs> you're probably living in a maze of boxes and garbage and right. watching stacks of magazines and you open the cabinets and cats just come pouring out. <laughs> I'm basically useless. Well, we are getting like our house ready to sell, like I've said before. And so a lot of the stuff is like construction stuff. And I'm like, well, I can't do that. Well, and, and like construction stuff that I can't reach, even with a stepladder. Like, there's just a lot of stuff that, like, or I'm not strong enough. Oh, yeah. No, fully, I'm not doing Like, come on. I'm not, I'm not nailing siding into the house. I'm sorry. No. And like, I don't. No, you're so not. So we were talking. And I was like, well, I can't do that. I can't do that. And my husband looks at me dead serious and goes, what can you do? <laughs> and I was like, I just, I think he wanted, he might have tried for it to be insulting. I thought it was hysterical. It's like, apparently nothing. <laughs> Be like, I can look good and I can do a damn good podcast. I can, yeah, I was like, I can talk to you about K-dramas. And he turned around and walked away. An so, alien penis. Yeah, so everything is going great here in my house. Let me just <laughs> <laughs> I'm 
So speaking of K dramas, I think we need to wrap this up right. so I can go watch some more. I know. I've me got, too. Me too. Yeah, I'm at I a big a climax of I am not a robot, and I need to know what happens. So she's gonna be she's gonna be texting us about a new drama in the morning. You know that, Shut right? Up. Yes. Shut up. No, there's no way I can finish this tonight. I would be up until three in the morning, and that's that's crazy. I gotta take my car to the to the shop tomorrow morning. Okay, I got things to do. <laughs> okay. All right. Which I everybody. can do that. Well, thanks for right. listening, everybody. We will see you next time. Annyeong! Thank you for listening to Afternoon Delight. Make sure to subscribe for more great K-Romance conversation. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Afternoon Delight Podcast for more information on our podcast, behind-the-scenes photos, and, of course, pics of our favorite opas and unis. Annyeong! Annyeong!